Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project. All right. So, um, we're going to hear from Lanny Jordan Jackson first, then we'll take a very short break and come back with Aaron Winslow. Um, so stick around if you're going to go home. It's going to rain until 11, so just hang on to your hats. All right, so <laughs> let's get started. Um, Lanny Jordan Jackson, Voyager 2, as it moves out of the solar system, continues to send back messages to Earth four decades nearly after its launch, carrying to interstellar space a record of human achievements on a gold record. It continues as it pushes through the final curtains of the solar system to identify the stellar winds that guide our planetary orbits and to come ever closer to reaching beyond our own record of the sound itself within the solar system's body. Tracked recording, though, as on Voyager's gold record, relies on a complexity not of the medium of dissemination, but of preparation of the medium itself. It continues to act solely as a vessel and as a machine. Thus, the place of communication, the final breaths of a record at the last of its concentric spin, uh, is a nihilistic location where dream, the end of perceived cognition, runs up against anticipated limits of horizontal movement. The eclipse of the dream is the persistence of the object. In Lanny Jordan Jackson's work, this persistence is corroborated by the fact of repetition within a multi-track anticipation of its own end. If the act is repeated in Jackson's work, it is to exemplify the object's breathing and its reproduction as a dream of concentric persistence where gravitation belied no longer holds. Please welcome Lanny Jordan Jackson to the Poetry Project. So this is a a piece called Accommodation for a Solitary Bee. A reactive diffusion method for estimating a diameter of an object of interest. Here, the accommodation for a solitary bee includes providing an accommodation of interest. The accommodation for a solitary bee initializing at least two accommodations of the accommodation of interest, wherein the solitary bee has at least two choices corresponding the at least two accommodations of the accommodation of interest, respectively, performing a diffusion operation and a reaction operation on the solitary bee to adjust the at least two choices comparing for the solitary bee the at least two choices to a threshold to assign the solitary bee to one of the at least two accommodations wherein the accommodation for a solitary bee is a segmentation result and estimating the diameter of the accommodation for a solitary bee from the segmentation result wherein the accommodation for a solitary bee is represented by at least one of the at least two accommodations but less than all the accommodations. In my condition, I imagined seeing a sarcastic answer to the question that was hurtling through my brain on its way to disaster, evidently inspired by lively elation. This lovely idiot went on with its song. I had glimpsed it 
Thus, no one could do anything about it, and no one wanted to. Indeed, things happen without anything in particular being responsible for them, but one mustn't regret, of course, as a form dominated by a spine. I'm a bit sad to shelve and linger. The upper soul doors that swing stand for saying, ah, again, I find nothing to reply. I bend over, intone, strobe into the ballroom, Merely my own moan exposed mind sound, what source tardily is spotted against opposite, but equally shrill white hot worms, repressed, mirific, small screen, just act mundane, reason for title, don't say little present posed or trust scaffold effects where the leaning puny performative practice recalls the quote manner, end quote, of death. Interior of the accommodation for a solitary bee, the breezeway. What is the idea of writing love letter and stuck it in a, to a bottle of beer? I guess it's some kind of perversion. I don't like to find love letters in my empty beers. Pollution sonore. Vervollkommnung. Uh, bee to the left. Cunilingus. In front. This guy must be a writer. Seated behind he a table. He had no success and he came here. In that case, I don't like his writing, especially not in my beer bottles. Cornered by devices, wearing white jackets, I mean, you know? and blue glasses. <laughs> Much like pen so. and pen lid. Without letters. The stage outside is empty. But you know my name. I enjoy the public's esteem. You should know as well as anyone, or I should say, given your profession, better than anyone. You realize that this accommodation is absurd. Why would I do that? The way I have always comported myself should be sufficient proof that I could never make such a gesture. Anyway, show a good little sense, please, who would go around naked in this cold, laughing. I don't wish to get sick and laid up in bed for weeks. Like all those busy, I am stingy with my time. I'll demonstrate it for you if you don't get it. Can we rely on the testimony of the false nucleic, curvaceous, central issue that becomes locked in its conjurer? Says everything that comes into its head to get attention, to make people care about it. It'll do anything. Body in pieces, introduced into it the stamp of pimply vodka, Hear the name, accommodation for a solitary bee, hiding some other world. What is the idea of writing love letter and stuck it in a, to a bottle of beer? Pollution sonore. I guess it's some kind of perversion. I don't like to find love letters Par in my interviews. Well, it's explained a lot of things. This guy must be a writer. Long no, 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 no,
I mean, you're very strange too, you know. I like beer. Mauvais fonctionnement. I guess so. Without letters. The breezeway. Not that I have a bee for seeing pompously. I am a but turning to the still filing the desires to be taken seriously. You must listen. I like B a lot. More than that, I would say I love all but to b believe what they say. I was walking quietly along the water, and then suddenly I saw... I don't like to find love letters in my empty They were everywhere. They had me completely surrounded. a lot of things. Then others came over me everywhere at once. He had no success and he came here. I don't like his writing, especially not in my beer bottles. All of them came upon me, so I began to run. I like beer. Je me I don't know why I ran, no doubt because I, so. I did not expect to see them Without there. Letters. Obviously I ran, but that's all. And therefore they left me alone. As I was alone, I masturbated and was bored, composed. I composed things, therefore be horrified. Blemished while producing I'm describing, I'm afraid they might understand like just as much as an action. Because I realize that the earth is one state. The earth is in the head of B. B is fire in the head. I'm along as alive as I have an earthquake. Geris. Saugkraftregulierung. Soupçonner. Präventionsmaßnahme. Wortmuseum. In the meantime, Beautiful human ban, throw the tin, receive imprint, party to take it quickly, cries prove most case-hardened coordination, crown of head, dismiss them as being most globes, food into my maw, supple yet unrelenting rod always present, there's inadmissibility, strange subvocal fear, rest. Do you too rest? want to separate yourself from the rock, that strictest mask bridge, to be able to generally name, know it, send the letter back. This error immobile to the crept into fresh speck fretful so for a period. They're not destroyed organs. Poetry far from rising. Ratio who may always be a liar. What is the idea of writing love letter? Je me repais. Stuck it in a, to a bottle of beer. And what were they shouting? Is it some kind of perversion? I don't like to find love letters in my empty beers. Well, it's explained a lot of things. 
You'll see, you'll see. This guy must be a writer. Returning to a normal voice. He had no success and he came here. But see what? I don't like his writing. I've done nothing wrong and I can prove it. I mean, you're very strange too, you know. I like beer. (laughs) I guess so. Without letters. I knew very well that I was being watched by those probing eyes. The whole world has their eyes fixed on me. Why are you looking at me now? Myself, I don't look at anyone. Even more often, I purse my eyes. Sometimes I nearly shut them. Pauses. I had my eyes nearly shut when they came. All of them. Enlève la pipe de ta gueule. I didn't count them. I didn't have the time. Why are you asking me that? I have told you who. I have been and that should suffice. I don't believe that you ever heard talk of me. That's very regrettable indeed. It is always better to know with one whom one should be dealing with. So this is like a specially designed room that effectively accommodates a solitary bee. Um, Wearing gloves, moving little as possible. Hallucinating nature, physical health, Memories without an outside quite dependent become dominant. I am not conversant with this state, dweller, waste of time, stimuli I cope with almost to, to the fore, some doubt concerning noticed for, entity such as seesaw, false, definition of a little more, comment on function, comment called conscious use. I have a contraption with a door at each corner, some place for us to sit, so that we can be conveyed, saying, let me return, return to do wretched superstructural lull of doses, ordering perverse blank in-springs. This blank has a body. No, it had, but I scraped it off. I was for too long seeing the same spark pauses composed as plastic metric limit life. Saugkraftregulierung. Soupçonné. Präventionsmaßnahme. What is the idea of writing love letter and stuck it in a, a bottle of beer? A reactive diffusion method for estimating a diameter of an object of interest. Here, the accommodation for a solitary bee includes providing an accommodation of interest. Here, the accommodation for a solitary bee, initializing at least two accommodations of the accommodation of interest, wherein the solitary bee has at least two choices corresponding the at least two accommodations of the accommodation of interest, respectively, performing a diffusion operation and a reaction operation. I guess it's some kind of perversion. Enlève la pipe de ta gueule. Who are you? 
Je me repère. I don't like to find love letters in my empty beers. In my condition, I imagine seeing a sarcastic answer to the question that was hurtling through my brain. This guy must be a writer. On its way to disaster. He had no success and he came here. Evidently, inspired by life violation, this lovely idiot went on with its song. I like beer. I had glimpsed it, thus no one could do anything about it. And no one wanted to. Without letters. Of course, as a form dominated by a spine, I'm a bit sad to shelve and linger the upper soul, doors that swing, stand for saying. I tried to make photographs with it. Again, I found nothing to reply. I bent over and toned, strobed into the ballroom, merely my own moan exposable mind sound, what source tardily is spotted against opposite but equally shrill white hot worm, repressed, horrific, small screen. Don't say little present posed of trust, scaffold effects where the leaning puny performative practice recalls the quote manner end quote of death. Interior of the accommodation for a solitary bee, the breezeway. Thanks. Um, there it is the nominal insistence that all things may exist after the death of grounded language, that the slick viscous mucus of conjunction leaves a sort of plenary fact of the prosody where nonlinearity reaffirms a world built on furtherance, that there is an horizon, that it contains a there. There went over the mountain, etc. In Winslow's work, we are the site of a hoarded excess of persistent naming and of juxtaposed sites of combinatoric multiplication where the post-digital cyborgian erotics of the universe are framed ultimately by the shifting horizon of flesh rather than a shifting ground to the cutaneous and a malleable body framed by reddish black, milky, pus-like, and, uh, and highly viscous, again, liquids from the subphallus of the sightless site uh, uh, come out. Please, please welcome Aaron Winslow to the Poetry Project. Jelly memo number four nine five 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 nine nine eight three eight from Lady Bagerjohn, Batson Bay to Schmidt. Coordinates unknown. Dear Schmidt, I hope this jelly memo reaches you in good and proper flesh status. The force of the tidal wave sent me up and out onto the teeming streets of Batson Bay's meat punk district, soaked and slick as a newborn newt. I can only assume, then, that you were pushed in the opposite direction, directly into the living sewers, and have at least something to do with the minor traffic delay caused by sewage flux in downtown Batson Bay. That, or ripped apart at the very seams by the crushing wall of mucal fluid that bore down upon us with its unstoppable force. But I have no doubt that you've beaten the odds and come out in one piece after the unfortunate events at Dr. Face's compound. You are, after all, one of the resilient kind, Schmidt. Regardless of your final destination or your current location, I'm passing along a copy of some jelly memos from a certain dearly departed friend that I believe may be of interest in and use to you in your investigation. 
I trust we will regroup in Batson Bay at your earliest convenience. Send me notice as to your position whenever possible. Regards, Lady Vegatron. Jelly attachment number 54398888872867. Jelly member number 29929239213921 from Dr. Scab. Coordinates non specified to Lady Vegatron, Batson Bay. Dear Vega, I hope you have found. You have not found me too remiss in my communications. Though the jelly memos have, I am aware, been few and far between of late, I would warn you against reading too far into it. Or rather, I'd warn you to read into it a very particular meaning of my own design and designation. I'm sorry to be blunt about it, Vega, but I haven't the time to be coy, and I know you're one who appreciates a healthy dose of friendly candor. Suffice it to say, I've been neglectful, not out of any particular unkindness on my own part, but rather because of the great morass of research into which I've been propelled, almost against my own will, recently. After the unfortunate events in Watertown, when you yourself fled east, decamping from the ever more fetid and ever more dangerous streets of our rotten little burg to that nourishing bosom of satiated splendor known as Batson Bay, I don't blame you. The capital has ample charms, though I hardly have to remind a diligent and longtime student of territorial geography such as yourself, that the city was erected upon a hollowed-out jelly cavern, teetering just on the edge of oblivion when that fateful day comes and the thin and unstable jelly crust finally collapses, taking that foul city and each and every one of its disgusting inhabitants along with it. But enough of this geology comes social studies lesson. I've grown pedantic in my, own, in my old age, and besides, I know you hold some strange fondness for that pillar of filth, and your mind is unlikely to be changed by mere facts and evidence presented to you upon a veritable silver platter by one of the sharpest minds in the territories. I only hope you found some sort of comfort there after what I've come to think of as the Watertown Horror. As for me, the nightmares and daytime visions refuse to recede, and not a day or an hour goes by in which the total and, as seems increasingly likely, final destruction of my beloved bungalow does not replay itself with unabated frequency in my mind's eye. After leaving Watertown, I located a bio-zeppelin, captained by a repugnant creature by the name of T. Ranker, who, has, who, as I assessed the shoddy condition of that decrepit and surely unreliable machine, assured me that he came from a long line of bio-zeppelin pilots, practically the first family of flight in the territories, he said, claiming that his own brother was the late Admiral Ranker of the doomed airship, the Leggett's Prime. I told him I'd heard the Admiral had royally botched the job by prematurely using up each and every one of his spare meat punk engine units crossing the flatlands, rendering himself unable to clear the peaks of Tagger Point. An error not even the lowliest cabin newt would make, I added, perhaps unnecessarily. T. Ranker, surely no admiral himself, at least according to, the, to his stench and the condition of his already low-quality dry-skinned tunic, turned a deep shade of crimson, caught in some great purity of anger, and spewed out some nonsense about unaccountable foreign elements being on board, the whole affair being something of a false flag or an inside job. Nonsense, man, I said, unwilling to kowtow to such filth, true mark of the infection-borne bite clone, but also sensing that here was a man who could be bargained with if only one knew how to push his buttons and make him squawk, so to speak, I pushed on. The inquest was quite thorough, and if I remember my jelly cast correctly, and I assure you I have a steel trap for a mind, 
concluded most concretely that it had been mechanical error as a result of captain error. Entirely and in all ways avoidable went the very language of the report. 10 out of 10 biozeppelin pilots passed the simulation without even breaking a sweat. I sat back and watched Ranker fume, fixing him with my most potent glare as he began to sweat and quiver, caught in the uncontrollable throes of some interminable Mahdi stimulus addic addiction. His stomach sphincter had loosened, letting loose torrential reams of foul curdle fluid that slid out with alarming speed and quantity, soaking the front of his cyber tunic with brackish yellow stains before the rubbery curd clumps dropped out the bottom, rolling down his leg and settling in a small stinking pile on and around his feet. No doubt about it, I'd shaken him. Now I, now I figured only another single small turn of the screw remained, and I could count on free passage aboard the wretch's bio-zeppelin. Sizing up his symptoms, I quickly yet quietly withdrew from my dry-skinned medical bag a semi-transparent data ball, a variety of my own design with extra-thin skin exuding a luscious odor with traces of bio-grease, motor oil, sweat, and fresh compost. I rolled the data ball calmly around in my palm, the movement releasing into the air ever more of the potent and, to the addict such as rancor, irresistible stench. He said nothing but his eyes and his nose, more likely, immediately found and locked onto the data ball. I noted a sharp upsurge in mucal sweat pouring from an indicator gill set located discreetly, but not, apparently, discreetly enough behind his ear nubs. I now only had to sit back and watch the situation play out with machine-like precision. The mucal fluid pouring torrentially from that corroded frame, mangled by years of self-abuse and hard living, to be sure, but even more the victim of those inexorable forces of genetic manipulation, the original gene corruption that had been conspired to seal his family fate since long before his own improbable and unfortunate spawning. Can, can, can I, the wretch stammered, removing his neon-tinged flight goggles and rubbing them nervously with slick, mucus-stained fingers. Can I try a tad of this succulent data ball I finished for him? His sm he smiled a pathetic, slime-covered grin and nodded. Why, of course, lad. I'm not one to taunt and torment a man in your condition. I held out my palm and, ran, and Ranker scratched greedily at the data ball, quivering in its pool of sauce before sticking it directly into his stomach sphincter, sure sign of his true dissolution. As is well known, data balls are most commonly introduced into the body via specialized conductor nub valve modification, calibrated to remove the toxins, both plentiful and potent, from the thin exterior skein of the data ball. The more advanced data ball addicts, of course, have gone far, far beyond the need for even this simple restraint, and in fact the toxins of the outer skein prove a necessary part of the charge. I watched as T-Ranker pushed the data ball roughly into the loosened coil of his stomach sphincter, surely the most savage and violent method of bodily introduction. He shuddered and emitted a moan of pure pleasure, doubling over and finally falling listlessly into the stagnant pool of his own filth that had soaked into the dry and thirsty ground beneath him. As you know, I'm a tolerant man, but even I have my limits, and after watching Ranker roll with fevered pleasure ecstasy for some moments, my patience began to wear thin. I looked out across the barren landscape, control towers seething in the foreground and, far in the distance, the looming and abysmal heights and crags of the upper Feldman Mountains, 
dark clouds of some unknown chem substance tumbling irrepressibly, irrepressibly from its almost indescribably terrible summits and rolling menacingly onto the flatlands below before dissipating into the general atmosphere of disgusting foulness within which I then found myself. I had to get over and across those mountains and soon, so I began, so I again turned my attention to Ranker's weathered and decrepit two-seater biozeppelin, walking closer for a closer inspection of its flight sacks, limp and half-filled, a rather disturbing amount of gray grease leaking from the critical lower gastric chamber due quite clearly to a loose meat valve and even looser artery connector cable. A true miracle if it even leaves the ground, I muttered to myself as I walked over to the pathetic wretch of a pilot. Get up, man, I prodded his quivering and sickly mass with my foot, delicately at first, but as he refused to respond with firmer and more insistent kicks. This is disgraceful and I won't stand for it. His slick meat mass began to shudder. You've got a biozeppelin to fly, man. My foot found a weak spot directly on the paunch of his stomach, and he groaned in pained agitation. I've paid my way, now let's get a move on. He sat up, finally, with a heavy groan and a sigh. Thin rivulets of a foul-smelling sauce trickled from the corners of his mouth and dappled his chin and chest with spackles of white chunks of curdle. Come on now, I said, my kicks continuing unrelentingly. I've got to get over those mountains, post-haste. He coughed up a thick mound of brackish green curdle. What mountains, man? His voice garbled and distorted by the remnants of the data coursing through his ravaged and decaying biosystem. Good God, I muttered in disgust. I mean the upper Feld Feldmans, you degenerate data sack. What other mountains could I mean? The pilot shook his head, thin greasy locks falling disgustingly across his face. Nah, man, can't do it. Not those mountains. You don't want to go there. It's a bad scene there, man. Have you ever been over there? T-Ranker hears things, man, like real bad things. Here he shuddered in abject horror, though part of his quaking was no doubt a result of the first stabs of data ball hunger. Shit happens on the other side of the Feldmans, like real crazy shit, man. Real bad shit. I only glared at him, coldly sizing him up. Like, I'm talking cults, man, sacrifices, experiments, shit I don't even know about. I got a friend flesh. He got some kind of crazy contract from, a, from, a, from some sketched out Mahdi's, flew a load over the Feldmans, gone five days. When he came back, he just wasn't the same, man. He don't fly no more. He don't do nothing no more. He just sits at the flesh cantina, drinking Mahdi brew, sun up to sun down, man, speaking some kind of words that just don't make no sense. I slapped him once, hard, across the cheek with the back of my hand. Not my proudest moment, Vega, of that I can assure you, but it did the trick. Rankard stumbled backwards several paces, more in surprise than pain, rubbed the side of his face where I'd connected. Ah, oh, man, he started to mumble. Get yourself together, Ranker, I said firmly. Have a shot of Mahdi Brew, put on your flight gear, prime that biozeppelin, and take me across those goddamn mountains. I'm not an unreasonable man, Ranker, but I'm getting more and more desperate by the hour. I've got to get out of Watertown and across those mountains, and I can't be held responsible for my actions if that doesn't happen. Capiche? <laughs> by now, he'd noticed the small shock stick I held, having quietly withdrawn it from my pocket during his lunatic ravings. He hesitated, his limpid flesh quivering sickly. I think you'd better do what I say, Ranker. I'm not a balanced man these days. He took another step backward, knees quivering, then seemed to suddenly find his composure. He jerked up straight, ran his hands across his putrid face, greasy streaks of curdled filth streaking across his brow and cheeks. 
All right, man, he said, donning his flight cap and goggles. I'll fly you across those mountains, but I ain't waiting around. I drop you where you want to go, and then I'm out of there. You'll be out of there when I say you are, I said, with utmost calm. Although a short yet controlled blast of my bioenergy emitted from the surge of my, short, of my shock stick sufficiently demonstrated the gravity of the situation to even his data-soaked brain. He stumbled his way into the cockpit of his bio-zeppelin, swaying to a rather alarming degree. After several false starts with the ignition, the pheromone-based bio-key soldered into his wrist successfully triggered the sack, which filled quickly, although not without a dismaying wheezing sound. The sack bulged irregularly, with disorganized lumps littered about the surface, seemingly kept together exclusively by a Byzantine array of flesh patches, festering and semi-autonomous organic units adhering desperately to the crippled skin of the flagging and decrepit craft. Audible groans escaped from the meat engine of the machine, and I could see clearly the symbiotic relationship between Ranker and his aircraft, lockstep together on a path of interminable and inexorable decay. The sack now fully inflated, Ranker motioned me for, for me to join him in the cockpit, tossing me a spare set of flight cap and goggles as I mounted the small steel stairway. Snug in my flight accoutrement, Ranker nodded and inserted his wrist-based control nub gently into the key sphincter socket, emitted a pulse of control fluid that overflowed the socket, spilling in small streams upon the pilot's knee and the cockpit floor as the craft lifted in jerks and shudders from the desiccated earth and into the air. I write this missive as we make our way unsteadily and insecurely across the rolling, putrid plains of the western territories towards those daunting and seemingly impenetrable mountains. Whether madness or truth lies in the upper Feldmans, only time shall tell, should Ranker keep himself together long enough to get there. In any case, I'm afraid this letter has come to a rather hasty end. We're preparing to pass the final Jelly Scream transmission node. From here on out, it's radio silence, and only the sounds and screams of those tormented mountains to give the semblance of company, as rancor scarcely counts. Rest assured, Vega, I'll keep you well abreast of my progress when and if I return. With luck, bearing the secrets to put an end once and for all to the madness that has currently gripped the territories. Ever yours, Dr. Scab. The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.